Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hi, back here on OMF at 617-779-7937. Wiggy is in for Christian here today. Lou obviously is here, and all three of us have not been tested, but we feel pretty good today. I'll feel just uh, fine out there. Uh, no NBA games, no NHL games, no Major League Baseball games, no MLS games. Uh, you still will have NASCAR. You just won't have fans, right? Same with golf. And, and golf is uh, doing the same thing, and we're going to have no NCAA other than that. Uh, it's just a normal day here in uh, in Sportsville. Chris Mannix joins us on the Harbor One Hotline, obviously the senior writer from Sports Illustrated. As you were growing up and talking and thinking out your career and saying, I want to be involved in sports, did you ever think you'd see a day like this, or did you think this was more like something out of a movie, sci-fi movie? Yeah, it, it was weird and easily the strangest day in, in sports I can remember ever, at least in a long time, and covering the NBA, I – I'd never seen anything like it. I mean, it was, in some ways, very predictable. I mean, I, I kind of wrote as much hours before they actually decided to, to shut down the season, but uh, it, it certainly has created a, a, you know, an atmosphere or a future that is very much clouded. Yeah, Chris, and that's the, probably the biggest question I would have. is We, we kind of felt like this was inevitable, right? We heard Gary Sanchez was being tested. I'm like, man, if he's... If he has it, they're going to shut down the Yankees and shut down baseball. So it felt like it was just a matter of time. Any idea on the time length of this thing? I mean, what, three weeks? One month? Did they shut the whole thing down? Did they not play basketball again this year? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great question and really the only question at this point now that we know kind of the extent of, of the damage within the Jazz organization that it's Rudy Gobert, it's Donovan Mitchell, and... Uh, everybody else, uh, according to the Jazz anyway, uh, tested negative. So we're people from the NBA office and texting with them all day long. And I'll be honest, they don't have any idea. Yeah. Like, they really don't. And, and I understand that because if our smartest, you know, medical minds in this country don't have any idea how this ends, I don't expect basketball executives to have any idea how this ends. I would say that, you know, the idea of playing in front of empty stadiums that, that ship has probably sailed. I mean, since they pulled the pin on this uh, nuclear option, I think the only way they come back is if they can really come back. And that's going to mean a, a significant national decline, uh, a remission, if you will, of, of this virus across the country. So I think going forward, the NBA is going to take its cues from from state and local officials, the federal government, and bring the game back if they bring it back. Uh, only when when crowds can be presented. Now, Chris, if there's potentially three options out there in your in your uh, professional opinion, which is probably put it on pause for a month and then you know pick the season up as is and continue, or uh, cancel the season and just stop the playoffs in a month, or just cancel it all out together and just say, all right, you know what, this is a season we can't do nothing about it. What you think is more likely to happen? 
Well, I look I, from talking to, to different owners, I think that they're going to do whatever they can to have a season because, you know, look, it's, it's, it's greed, if you will. I mean, maybe that's the wrong word, but they, they want to make money. And, you know, they know if they scrap the playoffs, that's hundreds of millions of dollars that go, goes right at the door. And there's a trickle-down effect to that as well. I mean, all that money counts towards basketball-related income. Basketball-related income is what is used to define the salary cap. So it's not just we lose money this year. It's, it changes the dynamics of next year. So I would expect the NBA to do everything humanly possible within reason to, to find a way to have a season. But I also think, and I know this is something they're, they're formulating over at the league office, there's got to be kind of a drop-dead date. You can't let this go on just, you know, forever. And, and we're not at that point right now. We're only in, you know, the middle of March. And, you know, it's really probably middle of May before you have to to really start thinking about scrubbing the whole season. But there has to be that time. This can't go on forever. I mean, there are other ramifications here. I mean, I, I don't know if the Olympics are going to take place at this point. I, I spoke to Jerry Colangelo, the managing director of USA Basketball, just yesterday, and he's been told that, at this point, all systems are go for, for the Olympics. But if you start dragging games into August, what about players that want to play for their national teams? And we, we can scoff a little bit about the, the U.S. team. Like we, you know, A lot of them don't care all that much. But there are players like Luka Doncic and, and, and other players that really bleed their country's colors, that want to play uh, for their country. So there are, a lot of, there are a lot of layers to all this that the NBA is going to have to figure out, like when do we decide to say enough is enough? See, I think that's the biggest problem in all this, uh, Chris, is that we don't know an awful lot about this, and I'm not sure there's going to be an end date coming real soon. It's not like doctors are going to sit there and say, oh, we're okay okay after 42 days or whatever. I'm not sure that's going to happen. So if they do cancel the Olympics, and I think that's a a real possibility, would the league be willing to go into July and August? Weren't they just talking last week, one of the owners, about the possibility of starting the season in December and going later anyway? Mm -hmm. Get away yeah, from football? I mean, look, yeah, I mean, that's that's an idea that has some support within the league office. I, I think it has less support amongst television broadcasters who don't love the idea of putting NBA Finals games on during, like, you know, 80-degree nights in the summertime yeah, when vacation. people might not be watching. Right. Yeah, so so that's, that's a, a separate issue. But, yeah, we, it could be it could turn into kind of a, a test case for all that. Like, is there interest in NBA basketball at the same level in July and August as there is in uh, in May and June. But, again, there has to be kind of a uh, – you can't go too deep into August because then you start talking about the following season. And you have to worry about the draft. You have to worry about the league schedule and, and all these different things. I mean, again, nobody wants to, to scrap the season. That That is the, the worst-case scenario with the NBA. But I think they're also aware that there's only so far they can go if this thing doesn't get better in the next couple of months. Chris, I'm wondering the financial impact, too. I mean, I, I love what Mark Cuban was talking about doing something for the people that work in the building, but I don't know if I heard you talking about it, like the, the cap implications. The cap's already gone down. They've already taken a huge hit over what happened with China um, before the season even started. Uh, how big of an impact could this have, the ripple effect? Well, I mean, it, it could have a ripple effect, and it has a, a, substan- a substantial number attached to what they could lose, but... I, I got to be honest, Lou. I, I couldn't possibly care less what these owners are losing. Like they, they, they could sell their teams tomorrow and make billions off every one of them. They, they, the NBA nowadays is a license to print money. It just is. And you know, short-term losses, they're bad, no question. But every owner in the NBA is basically a billionaire, and 
they can handle you know they can handle it short term. If they can't sell their team, there'll be a million people lined up to do it. Uh, you know, players you know, look this. I think there'll be players that'll be significantly affected as well. This is not like a a lockout that you can kind of brace for. This is just happening, and I've seen players on social media kind of tweeting about it, saying, "Hope everybody kind of you know is prepared for this to to last for a long while." But as you mentioned, the the biggest the biggest issue is in arena workers and people that work around. And this is what somebody high up in the league office said. You know, you have to remember a lot of people make money off the NBA. A lot of people, and those are the people that that I, I think bring the most concern. Those are the people like to see teams like the Mavericks, like the Celtics even, uh, take care of in the coming months. I think all of these owners are going to be guilted into doing it after yep. what Cuban said last night. You're right. After. Come on. Uh, if, if one uh, owner suddenly decides, uh, I don't have the money right now. I, you know, I've taken a rough uh, hit in the stock market this last week. People are just going to be all over them. Um, I want to ask you about Rudy Gobert and the fact that we now have video from two days ago where he was basically mocking all of this. We now heard beyond that that he was mocking it in the locker room all right it's not a good look i'm not saying that's where he got it or whatever but pretty stupid right uh you can take out the pretty i mean that's in- incredibly stupid the, the entire everything that that gobert has been doing for the last that we've seen video of gobert and everything he's doing in the locker room was uh was just just awful i, I don't know like I, I rudy gobert's a popular guy in that jazz locker room uh but I wonder. I wonder how that that plays out going forward. I already saw. I don't know if you saw the Instagram post that Donovan Mitchell put up there, but there was a not so passive aggressive shot of Rudy Gobert in that that Instagram post where he said, "I hope people take this seriously and don't clown around uh, about it." So you know there could be an effect there uh, with all this, but it has uh, it has shaken a lot of players, guys, into realizing how serious this issue actually is. I mean, I've talked to a lot of. I've talked to a lot of players and coaches in the last uh, couple of days, and one thing they've been telling me is like now, now that this is happening, they all want to get tested. Like even if they're not showing symptoms, they all want to get tested, and they're being told by the league that you know, like or by their teams that you know, just sit tight. You know, we're going to wait and see what happens in the coming days, uh, and and they're not going to be any immediate tests. I mean, this is something that's going on nationally, of course, but. Uh, this is the kind of thing that players now are, are keenly aware of and, and, and really want to be, be safe on now more than we're ever before. Now, you talked about a hard date and uh, to, for the NBA to have to make a decision. Would it impact the NBA uh, in a, a great deal if they said, you know what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to cancel the remainder of the season and we're going to set our hard date as, you know, the second week in April, right around when the playoffs would start. And everybody, wherever they are right now, this is how we'll start the playoffs. Is that something that is probably best for them to do? Look, I think it's it's a good idea. Uh, I think teams would lose their minds, especially ones that are in the playoff race and, and fighting for seating in the conference. I think the, the sense I've gotten is that they want to have at least like a five to 10 game regular season. Like they mostly because you have to, like you can't just send guys out there after being off for a month and a half, two months and say, uh, you know, get into a playoff atmosphere. You got to work your way back into it. That's how bad injuries uh, could potentially happen. So they want to have at least a five to 10 game uh, regular season and then jump into the playoffs. And even that, I think you'll see a lot of teams kind of protest and say, we want a longer regular season to try to get into the mix, but it, it creates so many just, you know, incredible potential scenarios. I mean, like Ben Simmons has like this vicious back injury right now. 
What if he gets two months off and comes back and is able to play? What about Kyrie Irving, like in, in his shoulder surgery? And but but Giannis, able to in play? Knee. Giannis in the knee. Now. Like, like guys are, I mean, and even like a guy like LeBron who's 35 years old, you, you're giving him a month plus off. I mean, he's, I would assume he'd be a lot better. I mean, this, this changes everything. I, I guess it's a, it's a long way of answering your question, but I think that, I do think that the, 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 the whatever happens, there will be some form of a regular season before the playoffs. Chris, I was wondering because I saw something uh, online. I think Spot Track had it, articles about the CBA with the NBA players. That there is a way for these owners to not pay the players during this, correct? There, there is. It's uh, what I think the word is epidemic yeah. in that language that says you uh, that you don't have to pay pay the players. And look, this is something that they're they're figuring out now. I don't think they want to even consider that at this point, largely because they. They're hoping this ends sooner rather than later. But if it does result in, in an aborted season, there will be some owners that are going to, to push for that, to try to recoup some money and, and, and not have this entirely be laid uh, at, at their feet. And, and that's going to become a, a, a source of contention between Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts at the NBA Players Union. I'm sure about that. That's an interesting one. And I will say this. It wouldn't surprise me at all, two, three weeks from now, because if you look at the professional athlete out there, they are the ones most likely, if we're looking at what happened in China and in Italy, they are most likely to get through this with maybe severe flu-like symptoms. But that happens all the time. We were looking up the number of games that were missed this year by NBA players because of illness. We start with the Celtics here. A lot of games missed. So two, three weeks from now, it would not surprise me, Chris, if NBA players are getting antsy. They want to get back there and play again. The rest of society is dealing with especially elderly people maybe losing their lives with all of this. And NBA players are sitting there saying, we want to get back out in the court. We're fine. We're good. Yeah, and, and that's where I think education is key. And, and I'll be honest, in, in the last, you know, uh, in the, this morning definitely and late last night, like, you know, NBA players starting to realize exactly what can happen with this virus. I mean, look, Rudy Gobert was ready to play in that game against Oklahoma City. Donovan Mitchell was playing in that game against Oklahoma City. I mean, can yeah. you imagine if he had played his usual, like, 35 minutes in that game and and had that? Like, where it might have spread to after that? I mean, this, like, these guys were, are, this is not even having that significant effect on these guys where it's a flu-like symptom. But, I mean, they, they are now, the ones I've talked to are now keenly aware of, it's not them, it's their children, it's their wives or girlfriends, the parents, their, their parents, parents of their wives or girlfriends, Enough players I've talked to today, they understand it. That makes me think that most of the players will understand it as well. And and I think that's I don't think that'll be a big issue in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be wild. Go back to BC, get a medical degree, and you can write more about this over the next few weeks because you're not going to be well, writing about I'm, games. No, I won't be. But I'll tell you what. I mean, I'm back in Boston now, and I'm. I mean, I was in that jazz locker room a couple of days ago. Oh. I was, you know, fist bumping with Donovan Mitchell because I've known him for since his rookie year. Like I'm. I'm sitting my ass in Quincy for the next... Uh, well, stay the hell out of NBC, <laughs> will you? Exactly. I, I will say this, Chris. It was good talking to you on the phone today. Yeah. Thank you yeah, very yeah. much. Thanks, Chris. We'll talk to you down the road. Yeah. Chris Mannix. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.